0: Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Good evening to you. We're, uh, as was shared, we're we're, uh, passing through actually. We're on a uh, two-week holiday, three-week holiday actually, two weeks away in the Sunshine Coast. So looking forward to that and uh, God is good. And uh, we turn to someone to say, "God is good." God is good. Do you believe it? Yeah. And it's great to be with you. And uh, I want to thank and uh, honour uh, Darren and Bronnie, as uh, you know, Libby shared this morning. They've been lifelong friends, and it's our honour to be with you here today. And uh, as we're travelling north, they're probably travelling south somewhere. And it's good that uh, God's family and God's church is, uh, you know, across uh, not only New South Wales. But we do believe that God moves in Victoria, believe it or not, and other places within Australia. But uh, we live in a great part of uh, the greatest nation in the world, I believe. And uh, let's just believe God to continue to, go, to do good things. Uh, this evening, I just want to preach and uh, for a few moments tonight around the power of promise. The power of promise. And uh, the Word of God is uh, packed full of promises Uh, that uh, some promises were just for a specific time, some promises were for a specific people group, Uh, but some promises in the Word of God uh, that uh, transcend generations, transcend nations, transcend uh, uh, time zones, all those sorts of things. And uh, there's something like 7,847 promises in the Word of God that you and I can grab maybe one or two. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life, through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises. Can you say amen? Oh, that's great. Can you say amen? amen. Uh, you guys are heaps better than the crew this morning. Excellent. Can you say Amen so that through them so that through the promises that is you may participate watch this that through the promises of god you may participate in the divine nature having having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So through the promises of God are so powerful that it's like the doorway or the opportunity that enables us to participate in the divine nature. So the promises of God are critical to you serving God well. The promises of God are critical to all of us enjoying our life in putting first the kingdom of God. And the power of the promise, if if there's over 7,000 promises in the Word of God, surely there's one or two or three uh, for us that we can grab and hold on to because it's the promises of God that unlock the divine nature and for us to partner with God in such a way to see His divine nature and the work of the Spirit of God uh, really lift in our life and in our spirits and our own thinking because the promises of God allow us to participate in the divine nature that God has for everyone who calls Jesus Lord and everyone who calls Jesus Saviour. There's a great story uh, when we consider the promises of God in one Samuel, and when we we'll read about it in a few moments, but there's a bit of a background. Uh, the children of Israel are in a bit of a spot. their first king, uh, King Saul was doing a very lousy job, and they are unhappy with and God was really unhappy with what was going on and so God tells Samuel, who's like the the guy that's uh, sort of the spiritual head of the nation of Israel at the time, says, "You know I'm going to replace saul I, I, I've strived." With Saul for so long that there needs to be a change, there needs to be a shift. I'm looking for someone whose heart and mind is after mine. And uh, we read about that. We're going to pick this story up in 1 Samuel chapter 16. There's this sense of change in the air, there's this movement of change in the spiritual realm before there is in the natural realm. So in 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, Verses 1 through to 13, it reads this. The Lord said to Samuel... Will you turn to someone and say, Samuel? How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord... Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass in front of Samuel, but Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then made Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. And Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features and probably from Tamworth. (laughs) Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel went to Ramah. This is a really critical point in the nation of Israel where God is transitioning, if you like, in the Spirit. God is transitioning one king and he's introducing another one. And Now, we're not sure what exactly was said to David or was said in the company of Jesse and his sons, but there's a changing of the guard and uh, it's not in uh, it doesn't happen in a day. It happens over time and we'll look at that a little bit later. But David was at the end of the line as far as a family unit was concerned. Who's the youngest child here? We've got any runts in the family? All right, so... Samuel says that you need all your sons to get here. And then Jesse, after the conversation goes on, oh yeah, there is another one. I've got another one. His name's David and he's out looking after sheep. And so David is is the end of the line. He's the forgotten one. He's the one that not even his dad remembered. Hey, there's a really important conversation about to take place. There's an important event to, but David, you don't need to be in the room. But David, you don't need to be here. David, you've got some other stuff to do. But we've the important thing's happening in here. But God had other things in mind, and, and God was using someone like Samuel in a powerful way. And then uh, as the story goes, as Samuel brings his sons in, and, or Jesse brings his son in, and uh, Samuel says, no, 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 surely it must be this one, surely it must be this one, that one looks good, that one's tall, that one's good looking, all that sort of thing, but no, 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 no. And then we get it, and we find out it's David. Some scholars say that when David comes in, that in fact Samuel actually whispers into David's ear, because he was afraid that uh, if Saul hears about this big news, that he's, and we read about it earlier in the chapter, that there's a chance that he would lose his head because Saul would not be happy that, hang on, God's anointed, that the anointing uh, had let, was leaving Saul and was going on to someone else, and someone else was being appointed, and someone else was being uh, introduced, and, and there was a new promise, and there was something in the air, and there was a prophetic edge to what was going on. And so that some scholars su- suggest that David, that Samuel actually whispered into David's ear. Now, we're not sure what he whispered, But he must have whispered enough and something for something to change and to click in David's spirit. Because when there's a promise or when there's a prophetic word that's spoken into you, there's actually a sense of me actually receiving it or rejecting it. I'm either going to walk away from it or I'm going to walk into it. I'm either going to receive it and hold it and and wrestle with it and ask God for it, or I'm just going to reject it and say, not for me, for another person, another time. You know what? It's uh, when Samuel was young. uh, He'd gone through some of this when Samuel was young and and waking up uh, as a child. And God wakes him and wakes him. And then the high priest at that time is Eli. Uh, God uh, says, speaks out to Samuel. And Samuel's response, as Eli had told him, was uh, around, sorry, it was Isaiah. who says, here am I, Lord, send me. What we like to say is when God speaks or when there's a prophetic word or when there's something like that, is there they are, God, send them. But this anointing process that we're seeing here, there's this shift and there's, there's something spoken into David's spirit and into his heart where there's this, something unlocking and moving. It's like a promise of God is, you know, maybe it's something like, David, one day you'll be king. David, you're God's you're God's chosen one. You're the next in line. There's something coming up that's bigger than maybe you thought it was. This anointing, this scene that we read about here in 1 Samuel 16, David is around, is around, is somewhere between and they argue about this contention about his age, is somewhere between 19 to 25. Actually, as his story unfolds, it's some 10 years later that he actually becomes king. So there's this, he finds out at 19 or 25, and then some 10 years later, he actually becomes king. You see, when God, you know, when, when we consider the promises of God, and maybe when we consider a prophetic word or something where God is speaking into our spirit and into our heart, it's, uh, it's rarely if he speaks on a Monday, it's for Tuesday. Usually it's to wrestle with for some time. And I don't know about you, but I've found with God that when when I think days, He thinks decades. When I think weeks, He's thinking millenniums. You know, it's just in a whole different zone and a whole different level. But, uh, you know, we see here that David, he discovers that God's got something unique, that there's some sort of promise, there's some sort of prophetic element that God wants to unleash in his life. He's maybe not sure of it, but he's going to spend some time. He's going to spend a lot of years just wrestling with it and working this thing out. Uh, But one of the things I think is really interesting about David, and we know about David, is that he's a worshiper. A lot of this book of Psalms is written by David. And so David is in this period of time where he's, he hears this word from God uh, through the prophet Samuel. He hears this word from God. And then there's this 10-year gap. And he had no idea how. He's just living it. He sort of we get the benefit of looking back and, and, looking at, and working at his timeline. He's just living it. He's got to walk this thing out. Anyone can worship when the promise is received. But not everybody worships during the process. When we get the gold, it's a good thing. We thank God and we praise God and we worship and we give God thanks. But you know what? It's in the process is when we really want to worship. It's during when, you know, maybe you're leaning on God for a promise. Maybe there's something in the Word of God. Or maybe God's just uh, put something in your heart, no matter what it is. Maybe it's around your business or a family or a partner or a relationship or a ministry thing or whatever it might be. And you just feel that God's promised you something or, or God's uh, put something in you. Or maybe there's been a prophetic word or whatever it might be. But you know what? The, the word for you tonight is that to praise God in the process, not when you get what you believe in God for. Anybody can do that. When I get what I want, that's easy to praise God. When I, got, when I get what I've been promised, that's easy. That's natural. Like, I'm a bit of a loser if I don't. That's, that would be normal to praise God, you know, when I get what I want. But praising God when, when, when it just seems further out of my reach, praising God when that thing that I believe in God for is just not uh, materialized or, or I haven't seen it, it's in the process worship is refined. It's in the process that worship becomes alive. It's in the process that our relationship with God becomes quickened and alive and real and powerful. Can you say amen? You know, sometimes we hold on to hope like it's an endless rope. But I want to tell you tonight that hope is like an anchor. Sometimes we, our, our attitude towards the promises of God is just like it's, we're holding on like it's an endless rope. We just keep grabbing this thing and grabbing this thing. But I want to tell you today that hope is like an anchor for our soul. It's an anchor. And sometimes with the promises of God, we just, we, our, our thinking is we get off track. We might get distracted or, or whatever it might be. Uh, you know, we hold on to hope like it's an endless rope. But I want to tell you tonight, it's an anchor. It's an anchor. And even when the storms of life and the difficulties and the trials come and we get blown off course a little bit, it's the anchor. It's not the endless rope that keeps us strong and secure in God. And if it's the promise of God, there's 7,000 odd promises. Surely there's one or two or three for all of us that we can just hold on to. Maybe you're going through a trial now. Maybe you're going through a storm. Or maybe you have got to navigate high levels of success. Maybe things have worked out better than you thought. Maybe things are worse than they've ever been. Let's hang on to the promises of God. Let's be a people who are looking for God's Word to just come alive in our own spirits and in our own life. You know what? Uh, when, you, when you find a promise of God that is really for the moment or, or for your life or whatever it might be, there, there comes a shift and becomes a movement because it's a spiritual dynamic It's a spiritual thing when it's a promise of God because God's Word always comes under pressure and God's Word always comes under testing and God's Word always comes under stress and God's Word always comes against opposition. But when we hold on to the promises of God as they are an anchor, uh, we can see God's movement, we can see God's blessing, we can see God's provision move in incredible ways. You see, we only move the next chapter over and it's a story that maybe we've all heard of at one point or another about this uh, guy called Goliath. Isn't it interesting, David is something is deposited into David's life or maybe even confirmed, whether it's a prophetic word or a promise of God or through the prophet Samuel here. And then the next thing we, we read about is this thing with David and Goliath. And in verse, if you're unfamiliar with the story, the nation of Israel is at war with the Philistines. And their warrior, key warrior, is a man called Goliath, who stands about 9 foot 10. So he's a pretty big guy. And if you know the story, uh, actually the tallest person, one of the reasons that King Saul is chosen, it says in Scripture that he stood a head above everyone else in Israel. So wouldn't it make sense that you put a heavyweight against a heavyweight? But what does King Saul do in the story? He just sits on his throne and does nothing. Because the Spirit of God was starting to move away from what Saul and what God wanted Saul to be and what God's call for Saul was. That Saul was moving in his own natural wisdom and understanding. So there's this battle on and David, uh, you know, he he gets called uh, to deliver cheese to the battlefield. Cheese. Works for Bega just gets to the battlefield and then he, fight, he he you know, it's obvious what's going on. And then he, uh, verse 28, when Eliab, who remember is David's oldest brother, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, verse 28 of chapter 17. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And he gets a bit sarcastic. And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited, because he's so holy and everything. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? See, I think when we begin to start to walk into the promises of God and maybe respond to uh, a prophetic word or whatever it might be, or God's word might just come alive in our heart, we think, you know what, that's for me. I'm going to start unpacking that. I'm going to pray into that. I'm going to seek God about what that might mean for me. I think that when we start moving in that direction, one of the first things that we experience is that sense of being misunderstood. Why would you do that, mate? Why would you leave a good job? We've got a, a couple of our lead pastors. Uh, they pastor in Forbes. Uh, great couple. Uh, we love them lots. And their story is so powerful. So they were, f- uh, we taken on the Dubbo campus at the time, and uh, they were uh, feeling a call to ministry and a call to, to doing more. And so they were both in very, very high-paying jobs. Uh, their family was in Dubbo, and they came and approached us and said, hey, look, we're, we're believing for more. We think God's leading us in that way. So they left well-paying jobs, and they moved to a place called Forbes. Uh, No guarantees of anything. No money, no uh, ministry position, just wanted to help out, be part of the church plant there. Now they lead pastoring there, uh, doing a good job. Uh, But you know what? The, the voices in the background when those moves are happening and when you step into the promises of God and when you step into the calling of God and when you step into God's appointment, when you step into God's leading, those voices that say that will just uh, represent that Eliab spirit, that sense of you being misunderstood. Why would I move to Australia? Why would I move to Tamworth? Why would you move to Tamworth? Why would you start something in Canada? It's the Eliab thing going on. It's the Eliab thing going on. And then we move down uh, to verse thirty-eight. Then Saul see see David gets into Saul's company and and it's worked out. Saul agrees that okay, David, you could be the man to fight Goliath. And so Saul tries to help the situation and. The reason, part of the reason they're in this situation is because Saul has just done a lousy job. Verse 38, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. I think that Saul is maybe representative of the distractions that we encounter when we start stepping into the promises of God. When we start moving uh, into the call of God, when we start responding to God's voice in our life, when we start responding to God's appointment for our life, when we start, start moving into the call of God, I am telling you now, you will get distracted. Guaranteed. Something will come up randomly. Something will come up that was just totally out of the blue. Or maybe you saw it coming. But the enemy is always opposed to God's people fulfilling His will for their life. If He can't uh, uh, trip you up in an area, He'll try and distract you. In fact, Hebrews talks about the way to sin and the distractions which easily get in our road or easily uh, befall us. And I think Saul represents, he was well-meaning. He, uh, he wanted to equip and empower, perhaps, David. But they, those things just acted as distractions. He says, this, this tunic, this armor, this sword's not for me. It's not, it's not good for me. And then the story goes on. Then we read about from verse 41. We won't read it for time's sake tonight. We read about how uh, David faces Goliath. Now, Goliath is physically and naturally impossible. I've got a nine-year-old son, and his name's Ethan. Can you come up here? I'll do my best. Oh, nice. He's got his sister's shoes on. It's all about timing. Now, I promise I won't embarrass you, but you've already done it. like we'll be visiting councillors this week (laughs) all right so there's a bit of a size difference i'm obviously better looking that's another thing as well but if we get into a punch-up like it's it's a no-brainer who's going to win it's obvious all right who's going to win me not with those boots on (laughs) all right but it's it's obvious i off you go beautiful um but it's obvious when there's such a size difference. And so it is uh, with David and Goliath. But uh, when I read this story again, I think that not only was Goliath impossible, but Goliath had a shield bearer. So it's not like David's just taken on Goliath. It's actually 2 verse 1, which is unfair on its own, let alone if the other guy's 9 foot 6 or 9 foot 10. Give or take a few inches, it really doesn't matter when you're in that distance. But it's, it actually gets more impossible the more you look at the story. It becomes more difficult. And then we read how David fights Goliath and the story goes on. And I think it's really interesting in Scripture in verse 50. Watch this. So David, if you could get that up on the screen, it would be fabulous. Thanks. So David triumphed over the Philistine, that's Goliath, with a sling and a stone. And watch what the Bible puts in. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Who wanted to put a sword in his hand? Saul did. But the Bible makes a point of saying, you know, without a sword, without those distractions, without those things that that seem logical or rational or, or the right thing to do, God will sometimes use something so left field and so unique and it, to defeat those things that seem impossible, to deal with the distractions in our life, to move beyond uh, those misunderstandings we might encounter and experience. I think David had so many private victories that enabled him to and prepared him for public life. And I wonder today what some of the private victories you might be having or what some of the private things, what are some of the promises of God that you can jump into and hold on to? Because it's in the private. Moments, It's in the personal times with God. It's in those one-on-one times uh, where God will just minister and work and it's the promises of God that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. The yes on the God part and the amen on our part. We agree with, we line out, we align our spirits and our thinking and our minds to the, to the promises of God that we might walk in them. No matter who Eliab represents for you, no matter who Saul sounds like, No matter who Goliath is, no matter that impossible situation, it's the promises of God that will crack those things open. It's the promises of God that will deal with the Eliabs in our life. It's the promises of God that will deal with the souls in our world. And it's the promises of God that will deal with the Goliaths that we all face day in, day out, week in, week out. And it's God's promises that will take us forward into His good word and into His work and into His life in every part of our life. Can you say amen? You see, the Bible says that the promises of God take faith and patience. They're two dirty words, aren't they? Faith and patience. Scripture says that through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. Through faith and patience. Through faith and patience. Scripture says, you know what? Um, We read about in that that David, watch this David spoke to Eliab, David spoke to Saul, and David spoke to Goliath. I want to suggest to you that the promises of God become alive when we speak them. That when we, because that's where faith lives. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's the spoken word of God before it was the printed word of God. And it's the promises of God become quickened and alive as we speak them. You see, David spoke to Eliab. He said, Well, can't I? It was just, it was a typical older brother, younger brother conversation. Eliab gets in his face. Eliab says, I know, I've got you worked out. You're conceited. You're arrogant. Of course, Eliab's just looking into a mirror. But, and then David says, Typical young brother, what, can't I even speak? And he deals with it, and then he just moves on. You know, sometimes church, we just got to speak. I don't mean in a blab and grab deal, but in one sense, I do. We need to be speaking the Word of God. We need to be speaking the promises of God. And we need to be speaking things, you know, whatever your uh, Eliab or your Saul or your Goliath sounds like. Sometimes we need to find the promise of God that, that where God might be leading us and what, where God's Word might be more powerful and speak His Word into our situation and into our circumstances and into our world. You know, it's interesting that, you know what, David, listen to this, David gave Goliath a promise. David, this is the power of promise. David gave Goliath a promise. He says to Goliath, this is his promise to Goliath. We read about it in verse 45. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Verse 46. This day, here's the promise. This day the Lord will hand you over to me And I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that this is not by sword or spear that the Lord says. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. And verse 48, As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. And then he dealt with him. David This is the power of promise, inverted if you like. David says to Goliath, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, and this is how it's going to work. And what happened? That happened, and that's how it worked. Why? Because it's the power of promise. So from, from a Christian perspective and from a faith and patience point of view, what are the promises of God you're leaning in today? We've got to drown out the sound of Eliab and Saul and Goliath in our world. And Maybe your Eliab or maybe your Saul or maybe your Goliath is that sense of always not having enough. Maybe your Goliath is that lack. Maybe your Goliath is hurt. Maybe my Saul is hurt. Maybe, maybe you've been carrying hurt for so long. Well, a promise that we could activate, a promise that we could walk into, we read about it in Scripture, is that God, you are the healer of the brokenhearted. God, your word says that you promise to heal the brokenhearted. That's a promise of God. So if I'm hurt, if I'm damaged, that's a promise of God. And listen, as you walk into that and as you speak it and believe it, There'll be people and, and things that you'll be misunderstood. There'll be distractions. It'll just feel impossible. But, you know, you just got to keep walking and speaking and walking and speaking and walking and speaking because it's the power of the promise of God. Yeah. Maybe you feel, maybe your Eliab is that, you know, when we sing songs around it, maybe you feel like an orphan. Maybe that's your Iliad. I'm alone, no family, feel isolated, I'm intensely lonely. It's like it's like it's eating me like a cancer. I think tonight there are some people who are intensely lonely. And the promise of God for you to hold on to is that you are a son or you're a daughter of the Most High God. That's a promise of God. So when you feel like that, Lord, I thank you that I am your son. Father, I thank you that I am your daughter. And just speak it and believe it and speak it and believe it and walk it. And of course, you're going to be misunderstood. Uh, you're going to be distracted. And there's going to be this sense of it being impossible. I'm not going to break through this lid. I'm not going to break through this thing. But it's the promises of God. There is power in the promise of God. So whether you feel hurt or you're an orphan or there's just that always sense of lack or uh, alone or being sick or whatever it might be, there is a promise of God that we can hold on to and grab and believe God and just see God just move in our lives. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's just stand tonight. That's okay. We'd set the team up, the band. That'd be great. And just for the next moment, I just what, what I'm saying now, obviously everything's submitted under Pastor Darren and Bronnie. But I just really want to bring that to the front. I mean, I don't know your name. You look like an Urquhart. That's it. All right. <laughs> I don't know your story, but I just had a sense that God has given you a, a spirit like Samuel. I know what that means. I don't know your story. So, But again, I submit it under Pastor Bron and Darren. But uh, God's, and and it's I think it's a sense, and, and it might not mean nothing now, but one of the things about Samuel is that he transitioned people. He was like this agent of change that God used. And, and he took a nation forward in, in a spiritual dynamic. And I don't know what that means for you, but I just think that, uh, that God has just graced you. And it might mean nothing now, but God has just graced you with that Samuel spirit. Where you're going to be able to, God is just going to gift you and grace you at the right time to just... Sh- bring people forward and I think it'll be a generational thing I think you'll have an ability and a grace to, to bring not just a demographic through but demographics through uh, into a direction of where God's moving and where God might take you so church if you're comfortable would you just lift your hands to heaven we just i just love if we could respond uh, in worship as the band leads us into a song you know what, God has so many promises for you. This is a sweet moment. This is a holy moment. Maybe you could recall, just before we sing, maybe you could recall a promise. Maybe you feel trapped. Well, the promise of God is that when the sun sets free is free indeed. Maybe you need healing. By His stripes we are healed, the Bible says. Let's just saturate this room with an atmosphere of prayer and praise and worship as the band leads us. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au And thanks again for listening.